entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, DC Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders so they can inspire others. I'm proud to let you know we record the Business Builder Show in the studios of 94.3 FM The Talker, which is part of Bold Gold Media, and we are in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which, D.C., it's nice and sunny and warm in Scranton, Pennsylvania today. It's it's lovely. It is lovely, and I (laughs) I understand our guest is in New York City, and it's also lovely in New York City today, and we will introduce him in a second. The Business Builder Show is distributed by C-Suite Radio. You can find our show and many other fine shows at c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. And my special guest with me is Alan Adamson. And he wrote a great book along with Joel Steckel. The name of the book is Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast-Changing World. And I think the word relevant is going to be used frequently. So, Alan, kind of like uh, the old TV show, you may not be old enough, but sign in, please. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about yourself and your company, Metaforce, and uh, give me a little more background. Hi, Marty. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so Metaforce it was set up to to take advantage of, you know, why companies are struggling to stay relevant. And so what we do is we try to identify how they can grow and then help them activate those plans. Excellent. Before Metaforce, what, what were you involved with? I uh, ran uh, Landor in North America, which was a global brand and branding firm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we help clients across categories, big and small, mm-hmm. uh, to keep their business relevant. You also spent a little time at uh, N- NYU too, correct? A little bit of that yeah, as adjunct. I, I, yeah, I, I get a kick out of uh, getting up in front of a class and uh, trying to embarrass myself. So uh, uh, <laughs> I do uh, that on always, the radio all the fun. time. I do that on the radio all the time. So I understand that, you know. Um, okay, so you've written this book, and uh, your co-author is Joel Steckel. Talk to me a little bit about Joel. Uh, Joel, uh, actually, and I have uh, taught classes together over the years. And when we taught, we found that I would be able to share sort of a situation of a client I had worked with. And he was terrific at turning it into what he phrased as a teachable moment. Mm. So as we began to do more classes together, it became clear that combining sort of what's going on in the real world, uh, lots of my experience Mm -hmm. uh, in day-to-day fighting fires, and Joel's ability to look at that and say, that's sort of interesting. Now, you know, what can others learn from this? What do we take away from this? What are the uh, lessons learned uh, made for a great uh, combo? Yeah, it sounds like a great fit. Uh, you guys did write a great book. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it is um, I'm trying to think of the right words. Um, you can't do this in one sitting. Let, let me put it that way. This book is... Um, I want to use the word deep. I mean that in a good way because <laughs> it's got so much information in it. 
So here's here's the next question, if you will. You used a format. You interviewed dozens, maybe hundreds. I don't know how many people. The format of the book, kind of explain how you did that, like who you interviewed, why you interviewed them, why were the right person, why were the right people, why were they the right people for your book, Shift Ahead? Well, first of all, we went out and did a fair amount of research, which also was another benefit of uh, connecting with uh, NYU. And we spoke to, as you said, lots of uh, organizations, uh, more than 100, some large, some small, some mm-hmm. startups, some established, some growing rapidly, some almost gone, and some totally gone. Yeah. And um, and we were looking for, you know, why, you know, why were so many companies struggling to stay relevant, to try to avoid becoming their father's Oldsmobile? Yeah. And, you know, in terms of the structure, most uh, most organizations failed. You know, we there were no magic. Follow these three steps. Drink coffee, have your orange juice and you'll be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so a lot of the book is focused on. What are the, some of the obvious warning signs that if you're doing this, it's not a good sign of your prognosis for being successful tomorrow? Hmm. Interesting. Use the phrase, not your father's Oldsmobile. At the end of this interview, I want people to say, uh, answer, they really deliver when they ask, where's the beef? Exactly. So, so we want to make sure that at the end of this, we delivered the beef, okay? You with me? All right. Yep. Okay. My guest is Alan Adamson, and his co-author is Joel Steckel. The book is Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast-Changing World. Um, You mentioned in the book Red Flags. So tell me about that. I guess you started to go down that path. Tell me about Red Flags. Yeah, these are warning signs that if you say, oh, that's me, (laughs) uh, then you need to uh, really be uh, aware that you might be uh, slipping into irrelevance. Yeah. So one of them is uh, we called, uh, you know, Marty Crane's chair. If you remember the old Frasier show and I do. Marty Crane uh, <laughs> used to you yeah. know, sit in his old chair and no matter what uh, else was going on around, uh, that didn't change. And and that's, you know, a, a major symptom is that the familiar is comfortable for most people. You need to realize that you're more comfortable doing what you did yesterday than doing something new tomorrow. Yeah. So if you go into the day knowing that your gravity is pulling you back, you have a better shot of trying to get out of what we call cruise control, which is up oh, mm-hmm. work yesterday, so let's do it again tomorrow. Mm. You, uh, I think in that one section, uh, Toys R Us was one of the examples. Is that an example of uh, they saw red or they didn't see red flags? Is that would be an example of like obviously <laughs> Toys R Us are kind of well yeah, shot I mean, they, at this point. Yeah, usually there's not one uh, uh, problem when a company ends up like Toys R Us. It's usually lots of converging factors. But in Toys R Us, it was a, a fair amount of what we call analysis paralysis. Yeah. You know, they couldn't decide, do they want to compete with Walmart and Amazon on one side and, you know, try to sell toys cheaper? Or did they want to, you know, compete on the high end and have some la-di-da flagship stores like the one they built many years ago in Times Square? So they tried to do both. Uh, and of course, they didn't have enough fuel in the gas tank to do either very well. Yeah. What did you find? What did they find out eventually? I think you wrote about this in the book. Is that uh, the whole idea of educational toys? Am I am I pulling that? Is that the right information? They kind of found that maybe too late. That yeah, they, 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 that was another symptom. That by the time a company tries to finally shift ahead, yeah, um, they're often starting way too late, and they have no more gas in the tank. And so by the time they figured out the magic recipe. Yeah. Um, you know, they were just into the uh, yeah. uh, slicing and dicing mode. 
Uh, how uh, important is, uh, I guess you're kind of describing maybe the culture of an organization. Uh, Toys R Us are the other uh, many, many great examples in the book. How important is the, uh, I'll put that all together, is a culture of an organization? Is it a learning culture, a searching culture? Talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, and you know the old phrase, "culture eats strategy for lunch." And you know, one of the things we talked about in the book is that you know really understanding your company's culture slash its DNA. Yeah. You know, if I wanted to be a great basketball player, I could have uh, spent forever training and. But at five foot eight, uh, it was unlikely going to happen. And companies have strengths and weaknesses. And the trick is to figure out what you're naturally good at and try to stay focused on that versus going after something that's not in your culture, your DNA. So when uh, Barnes & Noble, another classic one, wanted to try to yeah. finally pick a direction and they went after uh, Apple on the e-books and the Nook. Yeah. Yeah. You know, their DNA was, a, to some extent, a sleepy book retailer. Yeah. Not a lot of digital expertise. They didn't have the right culture, the right DNA. Uh, and they were still figuring out, you know, uh, uh, where the on button should be when, you know, yeah. the world was being overrun by iPods yeah. and iPads. Yeah. 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 Are the Nooks still available, by the way? I don't even know. Yeah, probably in <laughs> obscure places in, in Asia. Yeah. I guess. Uh, but it was an example of that organization not having the right culture, DNA. Uh, and there were many cases where companies said, let's do this, but they just didn't have the skill set or the culture. Yeah. Okay. So um, so I guess, well, I, I think the actual title of uh, one of the chapters is you talk about getting the organization ready for a shift, to get the, the organization ready for a shift. Can you talk about American Express? I think that's in that chapter. Is, is that a good place to talk about American Express? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, part of getting an organization ready is to – two things. One is to is to be able to see what's down the road, <laughs> what's around the corner. Yeah. Uh, and the other is to be always ready to, to try to look further. And so one of the great conversations we had with American Express, uh, which is a company that has shifted many times. It was in the business of delivery, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> express deliveries before yeah. it got into the financial. But one of the things the CMO told us, a guy named John Hayes, was in, in order to look around the corner and see what was coming next, he put together a collection of you know, interesting artists and futurists and different people that were not in his bubble. Yeah. Uh, everyone from, of course, Tina Fey and some of the celebrities that were doing their commercials. But, you know, he asked them to to, to talk about what's what do they see? What's happening at the fringes? Not what's happening on Main Street. He could see Main Street pretty clearly, yeah. but he had trouble seeing around the corner. So one of the things in order to shift ahead is to is to get a little bit of early warning for, you know, long range forecasts and try to see further and see around the corner. And if you're just looking at your current customer asking what they did for uh, for lunch that day, yeah. you're, you're not you're not really seeing too far down the road. Yeah, I love that thought process of the fringes and getting out and talking to people. And uh, another thing, in addition to the word relevant, which is very important, you know, you got to stay relevant, is the whole idea of, you know, talking to customers or potential customers, finding out what they need, want, or maybe what their pain points are, or, or kind of like, I guess, looking into the future. This isn't easy, though. Alan, I mean, yeah, it's really most easy, people. Man. It's much easier to sit at your desk and double click on emails and, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, do what you. But um, back to the culture question and, you know, keeping in touch with customers, you know, part of what companies lose is uh, what's often referred to as the founder's mentality. And we spoke to uh, folks who had worked pretty closely with Bill Marriott and I worked with the Marriott Corporation over the years. And, you know, one of the expressions that used to describe Bill Marriott is his, his feet never touched his desk. He was 
was, you know, yes, mm. of course he was in the office, but he was constantly mm. in the hotels, walking in the rooms, talking to customers in the restaurants. Uh, every day he knew that, you know, yes, he could read a research report or people happy at the Marriott hotels or uh, at, at uh, the restaurants, but he preferred to go out and really see it firsthand. And by doing that, of course, he also really connected well with employees, but it gave him the ability to feel and sense when the organization wasn't delivering. Yeah, I guess the poster children for shifting, I guess, are the Facebooks and the Ubers and uh, Airbnbs and stuff like that. Well, they're not even shifting. They were new. But you do use Facebook, I think, in the book as an example of maybe constantly shifting. How do they do it? Yeah, Facebook was an interesting uh, example. We had a great conversation. And, you know, part of it is everyone, when you build a new company, everyone comes in and back to your first point, the culture is pretty aligned. So everyone has a pretty clear sense at Facebook of what they're about. And um, their mantra is move fast and break things. You know, speed is not a nice thing in, in, uh, in, in technology. It's in, (laughs) it's a mission critical. If you're not fast, you're, you're cooked. Yeah. (laughs) And so one of the things the the leadership team told us there was that, you know, when they're working on a special assignment, they get a hall pass. They can clear their calendar of every meeting. They Mm. get to just, I'm not going to that. I'm not. And so when they're on an assignment from from Mark or doing something that has to be done fast, Mm -hmm. they can prioritize and drop everything else, every Mm. HR meeting, every sales forecast meeting, every finance meeting. And they can, Mm. you know, streamline because one of the things many, many companies struggle with is their executive team is so overbooked (laughs) that by the time you get them all together, it's already three months into the project. Oh, we finally got a meeting. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an important part. I mean, they got their heads down. They're not yep. up. They're not looking out. They're not talking to people, not doing any of that kind of stuff. Uh, exactly. Uber, uh, talk about a shift. I mean, self-driving cars. I mean, what the hell are they going to do, <laughs> Alan? I mean, what's what's in the forecast there, man? Yeah, they. Yeah, their world is going to change. Uh, yeah. But um, if you think about their business, their business is not necessarily, yes, they are, you know, bringing a lot of drivers and a lot of cars to people. But their real business is when you want transportation, you go to your phone and you push a button. Uh, and whether the car picks you up with a driver or the car picks you up by itself, I don't think it's going to make much difference. So uh-huh. a lot of companies are going to still be disrupted. Uh, if they can get there where you started, their culture right yeah. at Uber and prevent themselves from uh, you know, yeah. crashing into yes. the wall, yes. uh, I think their business model will allow them uh, to uh, – to survive. What are we going to do with all the drivers? Yeah, that's... Uh, How about you know, that one? Yeah, you know, that that is constantly a challenge. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. many companies find it hard to back, you know, they have a workforce that's really good at something. And, you know, driving cars may not be mission critical. Um, yeah. If you have a young kid today, you know that uh, I was dropping my son in college a couple of years ago and he just, you know, we're at the airport and... Uh, I said, I'm going to go rent a car. And he looked at me like I was from Mars. What do you mean, rent a car? You know, I already double clicked. You know, there's somebody outside. You want to get on that bus? Forget it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. And even when I said, do you want a car? He goes, oh, you know, why? You know, really a hassle. I can just zip car wherever I want to go. So, yeah. so the world is changing. It uh, is. Shifting ahead. It is. Uh, I guess I'm, bo- I'm bouncing around a little bit. I, you wrote the book, so you know the answers. Uh, and the book <laughs> is Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast changing world uh it's written by alum at adamson adamson 
Sorry. And Joel Steckel. What's the best way for people to connect with you guys? Is there a, a book website or you want them to go to LinkedIn? What's the best way for people to learn, you learn can, more you about can your do work? do it on LinkedIn or you can do shiftaheadbook.com. Shiftaheadbook? Uh, and there's uh, information on the book, information on us. Great. Uh, news stories that we're researching as we speak about uh, companies that are somewhat successfully shifting ahead and some that are driving off the road. Uh, speaking of driving off the road, something you probably want to pay attention to because you talk about Ford in the book also. And um, they just announced some things that uh, they're obviously shifting either away from or to, reducing or eliminating some of their sedans. That's going to be a case study in the future, don't you think? Yeah, you know, whether they can, yeah, certainly there's short-term profit in the bigger SUVs and pickups, and that's where they make all their money and uh, competing on a, on a sedan. Yeah. Uh, and the previous management, uh, Mark Fields, uh, was... Uh, uh, recently replaced the CEO, but uh, yeah. Mark was really focused on trying to get a piece of that uh, driverless technology, electric technology. And the challenge is for a company like Ford is they're a manufacturing company good at building things. And to try to win the uh, race that uh, Google and every other uh, driverless car is going after is going to be tough from a culture slash DNA point of view. But um, yeah. more change, more shifting ahead for for Ford, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So some thoughts on how it can potentially make sense of all this you know, on, on the road ahead, as you describe it. So uh, share some insights or some thoughts on how we can make sense of this road ahead. You know, I think, you know, the most important thing for the, the we talk to any leader about whether they're a big company or small or a startup is, you know, get out of your bubble. Uh, you know, part of being successful is really getting a feel on what's down the road. And you can't do that just by uh, sitting at your, at your desk. Yeah. Talk to people, look at different things, look at the fringe. Um, and to your second point where we talked about, you know, it, make sure you really understand your own DNA. Uh, and if it's, yeah. if it's not really right, bring in diversity. Get people – if everyone in your team looks at the problem and gives you the same answer <laughs> and everyone's always agreeing with you, That's a problem. Um, I would get nervous. Uh, yeah. Yeah, as another way to say it, if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in trouble. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble. You know, you referred to Tom Friedman's book uh, several times in your book again, Shift Ahead. Uh, why was that a good match? What was your thinking? And I think I think it's uh, thank you for being late. I think that's Tom's. Yeah, book. that's his latest book. You yeah. know, Tom talks about how fast the world is changing, and you know, part of the convergence of uh, globalization, uh, Moore's law, technology changing, and, and yeah. climate change. Uh, but he also had another notion that um, that was intriguing for for folks uh, was that his his claim that you know average is over because there's so much competition because the world is moving fast. If you're just okay at something, um, that's no longer good enough. Yeah. And you know what we found in companies that were able to shift ahead, they tended to also focus on being great at a few things as opposed to average at five things. Yeah. Because the world we live in, as you know, is everyone is, is a word of mouth world. People share yeah, what they absolutely. like, what they don't like. Yeah. And no one shares average. If your flight gets to LA on time and they don't lose your bag, you're probably not going to say anything. But if they, you know, fly you to the wrong city, you'll definitely tell everybody. And if they do something extraordinary, you tell everyone. So, you know, the link back to Tom was, you know, if if, if success is, is shifting ahead is also about brilliantly executing a few things. So staying focused and doing a few things great versus lots of things averagely. 
Did you say that no one quotes average? Is that the word you used? Yeah, I no one that. tells a story about an average experience. Yeah, no that's one great. says, you know, I was, you know, the restaurant was okay and I wanted yeah. to tell you. About it. Nobody's posting you either, about somebody's that. Somebody's going to say that was the best meal I ever had or I had food poisoning. But anything in between is, is yeah. not going to hit the radar screen. That's a great thought process in terms of your book, Shift Ahead. Tell me again the website for people to follow you. Shiftaheadbook.com. Simple. All right. So... So many of the things that you talked about and the folks that you talked about in the book, and folks, there are all kinds of case studies. We can't do the book justice. You need to buy this book, take it a chapter at a time, talk about it, use it in your management group. That's my suggestions. Uh, you just got to take this and really study it and look at it. And, and just it, it, it's really a great, great book to help you shift. So many of the companies, so many of the things we're talking about, Alan, um, how important is leadership? And I'm going to point you in this direction because I'd like you to talk about John Sexton. So leadership, tell me the story about John Sexton. Well, you know, leadership, everyone, there are many, many characteristics of a good leader, but two of them are critical. You know, one is the ability to, yeah, everyone talks about vision, but to have a little bit of peripheral vision, to not see mm. what's right in front of your nose, but to see what's off to the side. Because most change happens by being aware of, changes that are slightly off uh, the, the, uh, your radar screen. Right. But John was great at seeing some things that needed to change. And then he, he was a former president of NYU saying, all right, I have a clear idea of what we need to become to be a university for tomorrow, mm -hmm. how we need to shift NYU ahead. And he was able to characterize that in a, in a short, sticky idea in and of the city. They were not going to build walls around NYU's campus. NYU, was its linkage to New York City and other global markets. And because he had a clear, focused idea, and he was a phenomenal t storyteller, that he went and person by person told this story and brought his vision to life uh, because he was such a dynamic inspiration. When you meet John, he doesn't shake your hand. John gives you a bear hug. And mm. from the moment you have that bear hug to the moment you, you know, start a conversation, it's you're entranced, you're engaged because he's a phenomenal storyteller. So another leadership characteristic is if you have a vision or a peripheral vision of where you want to take an organization, you know, get it tight, get it focused, but make it in interesting and weave it into a story. NYU is a remarkable story, and he was the leader of that uh, worldwide. I mean, campuses, right. what they've I didn't know a lot of that, so I found that fascinating. Yeah, yep. yeah really fascinating. He, he had a vision for you know where education would be, and knowing that, it yes, a global education was key. You know, winning in New York City was important, but connecting it to uh, the campus in China and the, yeah. in Abu Dhabi. Uh, and he teaches, uh, still does, even though he's no longer president, but he commutes between Abu Dhabi, uh, China, and New York uh, almost every month. Fascinating. Well, we do need to wrap up, so let's wrap up with, uh, I think, it's the last chapter of your book, and it says, success is never final. So tell me what that chapter is about, and we'll wrap up. Yeah, you know, the, the, the notion is, another Bill Marriott quote, is if you, it, it, part of success and shifting ahead is realizing that um, 
only the paranoid, as uh, Andy Grove, the former uh, intel person, survive. You need to, if, if you're doing well, that only thing says is you had a good idea yesterday, but what are you going to do tomorrow? So if you take a success is never final and things are good, but uh, how are we going to win tomorrow? If you're constantly worried about tomorrow, if the future is not like an item on your agenda, they say, oh, we'll talk about the future on Thursday at three o'clock, but you're worried about it every day, you have the best chance of staying relevant and not becoming your father's Oldsmobile. There you go. Uh, I love those old quotes. I'm familiar with all of them. That's how old I am. I, I, got, the, I got them all, you know, Alan. Uh, by the way, folks, uh, again, we're only hitting the tip of the iceberg. There are stories in here about, I love the Cheerio story. We don't have time to talk about that. Comcast. So many companies that you're um, familiar with, but what I really liked about the book, in addition, is there's organizations that I wasn't aware of that you taught me something about and that how they were shifting. So... Alan Adamson has been my guest. He has co-authored a book with Joel Steckel. The title of the book is Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast-Changing World. And the website, again, is, Alan? Shiftaheadbook.com. Alan, it's been a treat. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Business Builders Show. Thanks, Marty. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, reminding you to find all our shows and many other great shows on C-Suite Radio. That's c-suiteradio.com. On behalf of myself, Marty Wolf, your host, and D.C. Taylor, my executive producer, thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show. But stay tuned for more information on how you can become part of the C-Suite Network. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. As a loyal fan of this C-Suite Radio Show, we've got an unbelievable offer for you. Listeners to the Business Builders Show get 50% off a C-Suite Network membership. The C-Suite Network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You'll have access to top-notch benefits and networking, all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR.